Hi everyone, this is Kirk. Several days ago on Friday, my brother and I recorded this. But then the weekend got away from me, and this sat, as they say, in the can up until now, Tuesday night, at which point I am finally uploading it and releasing it. We talked for about five minutes about the Super Bowl, and some of that conversation may be stale. So if you feel like it, of course, skip over the first five or six minutes. Otherwise, I hope you'll enjoy a great discussion on St. Luke's account of the Beatitudes. And we also mark uh, the death and feast day of Martin Luther on Friday, February 18th. As they say, enjoy the show. Blessings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening to us this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy this, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating and a positive review, please pause this recording and do that now. I'm Kirk Haberman a history teacher, and a church musician. And this is my brother, Chris, a handsome man about town, and also an Anglican priest. Chris, how are you? Great. Kirk, how are you? Um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I am, I, I shared with you just before uh, we pressed record, I'm flummoxed, <laughs> but I'm happy to see your face. And I'm happy that the weekend has arrived. We're recording this unusually uh, on 5.30 on a Friday afternoon. Um, I feel like I've been like stuck in a tilt-a-whirl, like, like, like stuck in a washing machine and like stuck on spin. Um, but, but this is good. I, I have the weekend to look forward to, weekend full of coaching basketball and spending time with family and friends. And uh, I always get suckered in the Super Bowl, Christopher, into like out of nowhere, falling in love with an underdog that I previously had no affection for. And mm, as a Pittsburgher, though, are you allowed to fall in love with the Cincinnati Bungles? Well, OK, so a I insofar as I'm a Steelers fan at all, it's they're like definitely a one B, not a one A, um, like sadly, tragically, a true blue Vikings fan. Um, but also like the Bungles have been. Um, so laughably awful for a while that it's not, it's hard to like, there's no antipathy, antipathy that stirs in my breast when I sure. see their uniform, you know, it's not like, Kirk, do you know crazy. the last time that they made the playoffs? So it would have been one of those Marvin Lewis, like dirty Marvin Lewis teams or something like 2014. Dirty. dirty. That was always the Pittsburgh uh, thing. Like, Oh, they're dirty. Remember they had, uh, Oh, they, they did make the playoffs. Didn't they? Yeah. Um, and yeah, who, they had this weird meltdown. It was, I think, those yes. summer teams. 
No, that was not Carson Palmer. Uh, I don't. Okay, this this is this is fun. Like we're in a lifetime, just like trying to grasp and remember things. Um, I forgot about that. Was it Vontae's perfect? Vontae's perfect. Yeah, we're like absolutely. I think it was against the Steelers. Yes. They've had interesting meltdowns. A complete against Steelers. meltdown, total meltdown. Yep. Yeah. Well, it was a dirty Stealer. Kimo Bavano. Was it Kimo Bavano Hoffman? Um, yes. Yes, who it tore, was. Who tore, tore the ACL of Carson Palmer? Yes. That's what I was thinking. That was of. a dirty play like, too. Yes. Like they they um. <laughs> the Bengals were favored um, and uh, that that was the beginning of the, the Steelers had to go on the road and win all their playoff games. And then they went on to win the super bowl. Yep. Um, I totally forgot about the meltdown of like the Bengals <laughs> were ready to wrap up that game and like two, like 15 yard penalties. Yes. Along with some other, I didn't see the game. It was, like I, I, it was described to me. I went back and watched the highlights and I just could in one, in one sense, I could not believe it. In another sense, I was like, yeah, this is what the Bengals do. Yeah, is that their They're last just, playoff game? That'd be this would be a remarkable redemption if that was because that is one of the worst meltdowns ever. You're yeah, right. Yeah. There were two, uh, um, fifteen yard penalties, and yeah, and it was just improbable. <laughs> like, like uh, uh, by fifteen yard, we say we're, we mean like intentional rough, like uh, not uh, unnecessary roughness type. Yes, type, uh, that's right. Calls, yeah, personal yeah. fouls. Yeah, personal so, foul. That's so, the word I'm looking for. So I've 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 like very fickly. I'm in the last, you know, two weeks falling in love with the Bengals. So now I'm like going to be heartbroken as the Rams probably will win by like 10, like very easily, like a kind of a slumber. Like it'll be like, that is, that is, that is a, the voice of a traumatized fan that I'm hearing is like, of course the team that I'm rooting for is going to lose. And you know, I mean the Bengals, like it's easy, like on paper, like, yeah, of course the Rams are going to win on paper because like you, you, you list the names, like they Kirk are assembled for this year. Yeah. Yep. Like they, they have Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey and like all these like super expensive veterans that like this, this team is going to fall apart before our eyes just because like it, they, they cannot keep them together. Odell, like, there's just, yeah. there's just not enough money in the world. It's not, it's a salary cap. Um, this, this is the issue. And Kirk, they like, they will not have another first round pick. They haven't had one since like 2014 and they're not, or 2016. And they won't have yeah. one for the next couple of years. Cause like, They've been trading like multiple draft pick, first round draft picks to acquire um, this team. It's so, it's all or nothing here. This week's sign that the apocalypse is upon us. Do you know the product that will dominate Super Bowl ads? Have you seen this? Uh, crypto. Crypto. <laughs> Matt Damon selling be, crypto? You know what? Like in, in 15 years, um, this will be like an asterisk. Like, you know how like... Um, we look back at 2000, like the 2000 Super Bowl, and people are like, wait, there was a company called pets.com, <laughs> you know, that, 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 you know, splurged $15 million on air, air time for airtime on, on Super Bowl. That's what it's yeah. going to be like. That's my prediction. I want to say there was a commercial for a dot com back in like 2000 where the 30 second commercial was just that website on the screen, no music, no, it was just like, <laughs> dot com. you know, it's just like, dot com's a cat, all the money. And yeah. Kirk, would you explain to our listeners uh, what it means to mine Bitcoin? Uh, so what it means is you go into Minecraft and I have no, I don't know, man. Now do, now do NFTs. <laughs> Non-fungible tokens. Yes, explain that and blockchain and all this stuff. Yes, blockchain is um, when you run a wide zone left. That's you have a chain of of men blocking. Back to the Super Bowl. (laughs) You and I raised 
in flavor country in middle America, uh, th the natural tendency would be to go with the Bengals and to say it's from the small forgotten town. Um, of course, we're going to root for them over yeah. um, Stan Kroenke's Rams who play in LA <laughs> in a $5 billion stadium. And Kirk, it has, it has Kirk, no real fan base. That right. was a San Francisco home game for the NFC championship. Like that's yeah. what makes them most loathsome. Like, no, no, no. What makes the most loathsome is that they're, they're billionaire plaything. Yeah. Their billionaire owner, Stan Kroenke, grew up in St. Louis. Oh, that's right. And he moved the Rams you know away what? from his Forget hometown. Them. Forget them. To yep. LA. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. If if I were a billionaire and had a chance to like save my team by keeping them in, in like my hometown, like I, I would I would do that. Like, how many more billions does he need? You know, but but like he's a developer. And so like he wanted the stadium and to develop the whole area around it. And it's just like that's Kirk, that's that's just so offensive to my um yeah, to my yeah. being that, that someone would do that. It's awful. Yeah. So and like, yeah, root against also them. why we'll never be billionaires because right. you, get, you get there by having a certain kind of cutthroat. Yeah. Bloodthirstiness. Yeah. Speaking really? of bloodthirstiness, let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Kirk, do, do you have a better uh, uh, transition? I, I, I'm rendered speechless by speaking by of the, the very of rich. I mean, uh, speaking of the opposite of rich, the poor. Let's talk about. Luke's version of the Beatitudes. Kirk, today's gospel text comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Kirk, it's natural as we look at Luke's Beatitudes here um, to try to harmonize the synoptic Gospels. It's something that we've been talking about in, in recent weeks. It's a, it's a natural thing to do. And uh, so as we seek to do so, as we see what appear to be similar 
themed sermons with some slight differences. Uh, just to set them side by side, uh, these Beatitudes here, there, there are four um, uh, things that, that Jesus uh, points out are, are blessed. And then there are four woes to go with those where we don't have any woes in, in, um, in Matthew's yeah. uh, account. Yeah. Um, and we have eight um, blessed are. Um, and even the content of the blessed are, um, uh, there's a contrast between Matthew's um, blessed or blessed. I mean, those are blessed is just kind of a KJV, like a King right. James blessed. Well, um, actually, you know, King James says happy are. That, that's true. But like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of, of, of another way where like right. just that pronunciation of it's it's the same word. Like there's no difference between the right. word blessed there's and blessed. So like a certain like, affectation to it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, which I, it's okay. I love, I, I bounce I love back and forth to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I bounce back and forth. Like yeah. sometimes it just sounds right to say blessed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so in Matthew, Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Where Luke's version says, blessed are you who are poor. Um, so Kirk, there, there are, um, you know, we who believe that the Bible is, is inspired and reliable and all those things, you know, we have two general options um, here. One is that uh, uh, neither uh, Luke nor Matthew pretend to include like a full account of what happened in Jesus' life. Um, and so it is possible that they are uh, telling us the same, um, th their accounts of the same sermon. Um, even though, so the, the, the people who would, who would, uh, say that, um, you might point out one might point out that, that in Matthew, Jesus gives a sermon on the Mount. Right. Mm -hmm. And here, some people call it the sermon on the plain. Right. Um, but I mean, uh, I mean, it doesn't say plain. It says he came level down with place. them sort in a level place. Yeah. And so some people argue, um, that it was a level place on the mountain if that makes sense that he found a, a good place for, for him to be able to sit and address right. notice, like there's something to like, Jesus sits when he teaches and he sits and he essentially addresses his, his disciples. And then, you know, people over here. And that's a very uh, Hebrew thing, right? Um, oh yeah. The, the one in authority sat, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so that's certainly possible that in fact, we're just getting two accounts of the same thing. Um, Augustine, um, and Calvin as well, uh, both think that these are, are two different, um, events. That's interesting um, to me that, 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 that there was a sermon on the Mount that Matthew gives us an account of that's much, a much longer account. Okay. And I, I really love the sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew. I mean, it's got yes. all kinds of stuff on, um, do not be anxious. Um, it's mm -hmm. got, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, um, uh, love your enemy. Uh, uh, if you're, I cause you sin, pluck it out. Um, th things like that. There's so many good, so much like wonderful wisdom that Jesus includes in the Sermon on the Mount, where where Luke's account is is much shorter. And I mean, we're into uh, you know all sorts of socioeconomic studies these days, Kirk. Mm -hmm. And so some people, you know, look at Luke's account just much differently. That that Luke, um, when we think of the Song of Mary and the Song of Simeon that we see um, a, an exalting of the poor and a tearing uh, and a like a leveling, right. That, that like the, the, the mighty are, are cast down. Right. Yeah. Um, and so certainly we see that here where, where Jesus um, says kind of this earth shaking thing that um, that uh, it's not just the poor in spirit, those who are 
disconsolate, um, those who are uh, discouraged. Jesus' good news, good news is not just for them. You know, he doesn't say just good news for those who are sad. Um, in fact, good news are those who are poor, um, which would have been just earth-shaking, Kirk, um, for, for this culture. Uh, yeah. For, you know, when Jesus teaches that it's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember what the response from the disciples was? Uh, then who can, who can enter? Then the who can of be saved? Yep. Yes. Then who can be saved? Because, um, uh, you know, riches and, and um, splendor and all these things were seen as gifts from God. Yeah. God is the source of all, all good things. And of course, like, um, I mean, it's not quite a prosperity gospel, but, but it's a sense that like, these are signs of God's favor. And here Jesus is, is saying something quite different that um, Jesus res- reverses these signs of divine favor, that, that poverty, material poverty, um, that pursuit of, of, of God is, is actually helped, not hindered by poverty and suffering in a culture that, that would have seen this as, as, you know, that, that, um, the first sign of of that you're on the right track is material uh, progression. That that you are uh, certainly that life is getting better for you. And I, I don't know. I, I think even today there is a sense of like we would probably listen to somebody who were materially successful. That um, if if so, if if a prophet were to come in and be dressed in thrift store clothes, um, that that there were certain Christians that would look right through them. You know, if, if they were, if they were trying to come in as an authority on something that we would look at people who are quote unquote successful and, and, and think that this has something to do with, uh, um, you know, God's favor. And even, you know, when I, when you think about those who have a high profile in Christianity, usually it's tied to, um, you know, it's one thing to say, Others uh, fruit from God's ministry, but it's another thing to say, oh, these mega church pastors, like they're, they're, they're like successful in the world's eyes. Therefore, like they must have it going on when in fact, you know, what we learn behind the scenes, oftentimes when things come out, the opposite is, is often, um, the truth is that like, there's a lot of, um, corruption, um, there. So it's, it, you know, these outward signs, these, these worldly signs of success aren't necessarily success in God's kingdom. So um, Jesus points to uh, poverty, hunger, mourning, friendlessness, um, not as, as hindrances to God, but as like signs of like God's favor in your life. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, um, and note, note that, um, you know, in Luke 18, that we have the rich young ruler where, um, his wealth was, was an impediment to, to faith and connection um, with God. Um, so like the gospel is, is good news to the poor um, who, who cannot rely on, on their material things. Um, and uh, so I mean, that's just one of the, the many reasons that the good news of the gospel is, is just, is just living water um, for, yeah. for the poor. You know, they, they cannot rest in their wealth. Uh, they cannot rest in their, that the, they've hedged all their, um, risk um, that they, they, they've got things taken care of by their wealth. Yeah. You were going to say something. No, I, no, I wasn't. Uh, and in fact, I, I, 
I was afraid that I had interrupted you. Um, are, are, you are you taking a pause between thoughts? Because I do have a thought. Go, go, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I find it notable. Uh, probably four or five years ago, I noticed that this is the Matthew account of the Beatitudes, um, which, as you are suggesting, Calvin, Augustine, and others are thinking, um, maybe it's not the same sermon, but but certainly Jesus has a certain drum that he's been beating in several different sermons then, right? So, And it would make sense through the yeah. ministry of Jesus that, that some sermons he would have preached multiple yeah. times. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, good preachers that we know do that as well, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the Matthew account is uh, often, always, the gospel text for All Saints um, uh, Sunday. And, uh, and, and I was, the first time I realized that, like, oh, huh, this always uh, lands on All Saints. Um, I was, I, I, it seemed incon incongruous, or maybe I thought there should be, should be something else. And um, I've come to love it because um, it is honest about the, uh, the, the, the walk through this veil of tears that, all, um, all those saints in glory have gone through, right? Um, and I think one of the virtues of Christianity, I've banged this drum before, Christopher, is that um, we are honest. Uh, uh, Christ is honest. The Bible is honest. We Christians are honest about um, our true state, the true state of affairs, and our, our end. We are on a long march to the grave. And we can be honest about it because the grave does not have the final say in our lives, right? Um, and so there's an honesty in saying that like <laughs> poverty is part of huh, the Christian walk, right? Hunger for is sure. part of the Christian walk, right? Tears are part of uh, the walking with Jesus, right? Um, being hated, being excluded, being reviled, being spurned. These are all, especially on account of the Son of Man, these are all a part and it's okay. More than okay um, rejoice, um, mm. because you are receiving and will receive blessings because guess what? Um, God is on your side and yours is the kingdom of heaven. Um, and then the flip side of that coin, of course, are the woes, right? Like mm. if, if the reward in this life for you mm. is riches, well, then that's your reward, right? That's spooky, right? If that's yeah. where your value is, I mean, to, to, I shouldn't be hearkening back to Matthew when this is a Lucan year, right? But because Matthew says there, your treasure lies also, right? In the parable, of the, I love that the parable of the barns, remember that guy, <laughs> right? Uh, he died suddenly and like, yeah, where yeah. your treasure is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, hope you're enjoying those barns, you know, with all that <laughs> stuff stored up. Yeah. A lot of good that does you now. Right, exactly, exactly, right? So um, it makes sense that this is kind of a message for all saints because uh, all saints in glory and all saints struggling now, this is, this is for us. And so I think, I think it's, yeah. um, it's actually odd, oddly a hopeful message. And as yeah. you and I always say, Christopher, the way up is down. The way up is down. Sure. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you know what? Um, Poverty is a part of that. Hunger is a part of that. Tears are a part of that. So Kirk, I think of um, Paul talking about himself in terms of being the chief of sinners, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that may be specifically in in reference to him persecuting the church. But Kirk, let me say that I am the chief of sinners when it comes to when, when trials come to, to look up at God and say, God, I'm in the world, right? 
Yeah. Like it, it's perfectly natural. Um, though we know these words well, that when trials come, um, to, to be like, well, this wasn't part of God's plan. Um, let this be a reminder to us, um, when trials come that, that, um, that it's not that God is like not present, um, in them, but this is Kirk, like you said, I, I thought you said that very well. This is in fact, part of the path, part of the, part of what it means to, to be a Christian Yeah, is poverty and hunger and disease. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised, um, when these things come. Yeah. Any and, final and Kirk, thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like, I opened up talking about like harmonizing the, the, um, the different gospels and like, you know, what does this mean as far as Jesus ministry and, and the reliability of the text? Kirk, we've said before, these texts are reliable. Um, and ultimately Kirk, we don't know if this is one sermon um, with two perspectives um, or whether it was uh, two sermons um, that uh, Luke includes one, Matthew includes a different one. And Kirk, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We don't know, but it doesn't matter. Um, like these, these, um, the things that are, are relate are related by um, these evangelists, by these gospel uh, writers, um, harmonize. Mm-hmm. They harmonize. They they don't conflict, and so like we we don't use um, potential uh, differences to like, pick apart the overall. Um, message because it's it's a consistent message um, throughout scripture and that's that's how we uh, read scripture we learn um, we we have uh, challenges that that where we see Jesus saying seemingly different things sometimes if you are not with me then you are against me he says at one point and at another point he says if you are not against me then you are with me that Jesus is is constantly I'm um, keeping us on our toes like there's tons of room for nuance and we are in an age Kirk where there is no nuance like everybody's like Hurt! like we got our like you're either this or that like like there, it's just black and white and um mm-hmm. Jesus is trying to get us to to think uh, just more deeply and in in a manner that that um things are not just black and white so that's what Jesus is calling us to yeah any final thoughts? Those were them. You say that you are the chief of sinners. Um, and mm-hmm. we would like to mark someone else today who would certainly claim to be chief of sinners. For our theology section today, uh, we're going to talk about Martin Luther, a priest and reformer of the church. Um, He died on February 18th, 1546. Um, So as you're listening to this this week, um, his feast day is uh, will be marked next Friday or it's a Friday coming up um, as you're as you're listening. Um, And I kind of want to do this for a for a for a for a plucky contrarian reason, Christopher. Martin Luther is in kind of bad odor everywhere um, in a bunch of different scholarship and especially in our circles. Um, I think uh, in Anglicanism, uh, there, there's kind of a binary. People are either being pulled towards kind of Calvinism in a reform view or kind of Anglo-Catholicism and, and more of a kind of a Catholic sensibility. And I, I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you have an analog in your life 
um, someone that you read and the more you read and the more you know, you just, you sense a kindred spirit. <laughs> like, yes, I know exactly what that's like. Some writing leaves you cold and other writing, um, you, your heart throbs right alongside it. Well, Martin Luther is that man for me, Christopher. And so I love this. I want to, I want to spend a few minutes. I know we're, we're short here. We got about 15, 20 minutes left here, but I want to, I want to spend a few minutes talking about Martin Luther. And um, I, I did, I, we put down no notes for this, so we can go in whatever direction you want. So I'll give a, just a super brief, brief introduction. Um, Martin Luther was a German priest, theologian, author, composer, <laughs> um, poet, Augustinian friar, um, but best known as um, basically the, uh, the the author of the Protestant Reformation and uh, his his the namesake of Lutheranism. Um, he's famous for I think beginning the Protestant Reformation, what everyone kind of acknowledges as the um, the first domino that fell with his ninety five theses, um, which uh, in fifteen seventeen he nailed to the door of the Wittenberg uh, church in Wittenberg, um, which is less defiant and theatrical than most people think. This was, you know, before, before Twitter, uh, before blogs, before TikTok, this was a way of initiating public debate. Um, and he didn't think he was doing anything odd, um, but he was, but he was. He, he triggered, he triggered a, um, basically a schism in the church, sadly. Um, and he, he only ever wanted reform. He would say that till his dying day. Um, the first thesis to his 95 theses is great, is great. Um, and it was uh, we'll come back to that. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> it was uh, something like uh, the Christian life is a life of repentance. And I think mm -hmm. that is at the core of, uh, of uh, Martin Luther's life. Um, Christopher, I have some things that I that I want to want to note and mark. Um, I pulled up uh, some, some pages and notes that I had taken in 2017. I went to Germany um, with a friend of ours on a, on a little Protestant Reformation pilgrimage, a 500th anniversary. Um, I don't always like the word Protestant, maybe um, as I've continued to float in like an Anglo-Catholic direction, but I certainly like the word Lutheran. <laughs> and I, I, um, I, Maybe, maybe like lowercase l, I, I continue to throb with Lutheranism in my heart. Um, so I have some things as I pull up the notes that I took five years ago that I, I want to say. But Christopher, what are, what are your thoughts as we, uh, we approach the, um, the anniversary of his death? Boy, um, Kirk, I, I too find a, a kindred spirit. Um, I, uh, again, we're, we're in a a world where there's no nuance. Um, it's, it's, we're in a black and white world where, where he is either a hero or a villain. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and for that reason, like I realized that even the mentioning of his name, like our Roman Catholic listeners are just like yeah. you dirty, dirty <laughs> Protestants, um, uh, where it's like, um, I think if we would have dropped any of our, our Roman Catholic friends in, um, into that Catholic church in that day, they'd be horrified by the abuses. Um, and, and Luther, as he um, tried to reform the church and uh, like he loved the church, he, he never wanted to start his own church. 
And, and it was when he, he um, kind of reached a dead end in, in what he could do as, as he was trying to restore um, some pretty, pretty key doctrines um, from the ancient church. Um, uh, th- that is when, when he kind of had to go out on his own. And, um, you know, so uh, our, our Roman Catholic friends, um, brothers and sisters, uh, they would look at um, Martin Luther as this tragic figure where um, on Reformation Day, which... Uh, Reformed Christians, Reformed and Lutheran Christians celebrate. They, they they look at tragically as as the day in which everyone became their everyone became a pope instead of there being one pope. Everyone be, everyone's conscience they became their own pope. Um, and I think that's that's more modernity than than uh, Martin Luther. But certainly, like once um, Luther was free to um, yeah, they really do in, throw that not throw that in her face. Um, they re- really do. Uh note and highlight his um at verms when he says uh um here i say i like he appears and i can do no other i can do no other and like the appeal to personal like the subjectivism sure. um that anticipates modernity um where i and think I, and the, i think i think the, it's correlation not causation honestly yeah, the, like wiser, as as- the wiser and less known um uh, uh realization at verms was the night before when he asks himself am i only wise like, am I, right. am I, sure. who's the crazy one, them or me? And like, he prays and like, no, I'm, it's not like I have the fathers, St. Paul, <laughs> like the new sure. Testament, uh, uh, our Lord's words. I have, I have all of that. It's not just me. Am I only wise? But anyhow, back to you. Go ahead. And, and apart from a magisterium um, that, that sort of interprets uh, officially um, doctrine and in, in scripture, um, magisterium is, is like the, just teaching authority of the Roman Catholic church. Um, apart from that, um, things did, did devolve into the tens of thousands of, of Protestant denominations we have today. Like, like those things did happen again. I think it's correlation, not causation that, that these things happen to happen at the same time. Um, not that, that one caused the other. Um, yeah. but, but like we look at the world today and, and there is incredible disunity and it's, it's, it's interesting that, that like, this, Kirk, you've um, reflected before on the schismatic nature of certain certain traditions, uh-huh. um, like that. You know, you if if you put you know six Presbyterians in the room, uh, <laughs> you, you might have you might have six different denominations, right? Yeah. By the end by the end of the day, um, and uh, and and so like you know Martin Luther interpreting scripture apart from official magisterium in some sense, like there is a tragic sense of, of like uh, what we've seen since then is, is um, incredible disunity where, where um, you and I uh, like one of the many things that makes Anglican is, is, is this Catholic idea um, not Roman Catholic, but Catholic idea of yeah. the church of, yeah. of, of us being united. Um, but this is the church isn't a narrow thing. And we had a, um, a book study on Thomas McKenzie's Anglican way, which we mentioned um, recently uh, on this podcast. Um, and it was, it was really interesting hearing people talk about the beauty of that um, where in, fo- in former parts of their lives that they, they, people reflected on um, times when like small theological differences um, they would look at somebody who would disagree with them in a, in a very narrow way and just like be like, I must be apart from them, you know, <laughs> like there, there's no room for us. Like we need to start our own denomination so that we could be free of these people who see things a few degrees different from us. And so I, I know that, that, that much of what I've said is probably not um, 
kind of stuff that that, uh, that you're reflecting on. But um, I, I guess I'm just calling for for nuance and appreciation of like there are so many things about Martin Luther that I that I love and can appreciate that he brought to the table um, as as a lover of the church, as a lover of the scriptures, as a lover of the great tradition. Um, that that I hope if you're skeptical of Martin Luther that that, that you could um, maybe read some on him and, and kind of uh, ref- be refreshed by like what it is that, that we have in common with him. Um, and, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe if, if, if you have a very sunny view of him, uh, maybe you should read, uh, the Jews and their lies, um, where like there, there's kind of a dark <laughs> yeah. side, um, yeah. th- that it's like, let's, let's not, um, turn him into, um, a, a sinless man. And he would never claim that, um, that, um, that, that he, he had some incredible contributions, um, um, to, to the church, capital C church. Um, so, you know, the, the official Episcopal church, um, one page explanation on the, the feast day says he introduced congregational singing of hymns, yep. composing many of them himself and issued model orders of services. Um, well, I mean, we shouldn't, the, the last one, like we don't love a lot of uh, novelty in in the um, in liturgies, but <laughs> no, but the don't. idea of introducing <laughs> congregational singing like that is something we yeah. take for granted as like an aspect of church. Mm-hmm. Like um, to think that that he was the one who introduced that at least in continental Europe is mm-hmm. is remarkable to think about the restoration of, and and, and when I think of the, the the greatest parts of the Reformation, Kirk, I think of the participation participation of the laity is such a huge thing whether mm. it be um the, them following along in in the vernacular them understanding like the scripture readings the homily um and the from Eucharist, this perspective and vatican, then also participating in singing from this perspective vatican ii was a lutheran reformation yeah from that perspective correct yeah, for sure <laughs> um yeah uh the reformation ostensibly began or the 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 the, um, the conflict between Luther and papacy ostensibly began over abuses and indulgences, um, and yeah. Luther was surprised, shocked. Kirk, uh, what's an indulgence? Uh, indulgence was um, uh, uh, buying a slip of paper uh, that uh, said that a loved one, um, their time from purgatory had been canceled because there had been built up a treasury of merit because of all the saints who essentially had like. Um, a positive balance in their spiritual bank account when they died, they skipped purgatory and went straight to heaven. Um, and so there's this treasury of And this merit. became a, a financial transaction. And you can withdraw from that treasury of merit by purchasing an indulgence, which is a sheet of paper signed by the papacy, right? And, um, and, and, and it strikes Luther that this is, um, he, there was a phrase, German money for the German church. He realizes that like, Good, good Christian German coin is being sucked to, to pay for um, St. Peter's Basilica, the, the lovely one now that you can go and see in Rome, that very one. That was the one that was being funded by these, right? And it begins as that, um, but, but, but oddly, and I think providentially, ends up being about something else, about sure. something else entirely. In the heart of the matter, the point of reform was not indulgences, it wasn't papacy, it wasn't vestments, it wasn't the mass in the vernacular. Reform of all these was good, but was really at the heart of the matter was the bondage of the will. That is, who saves us? Um, is it our works through infused grace, or is it Christ beginning, middle, and end? And this is this is the glowing coal 
the glowing coal of our Reformation. And so um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking right at notes that I wrote in Germany five years ago. Um, I said, but the burning coal, the molten core that provides the best heat and light of the Reformation churches and confessions at their best is that Christ chooses us while we were dead in our sins. And it is faith in Christ's finished work and his choosing us that puts us in right standing with God, not participation in the penitential system, not good works infused by God's grace, but a God who chooses sinners and loves them anyway. And that was an Augustinian revival from an Augustinian monk um, that uh, from a church that had kind of lost its Augustinian um, accent or vibrancy or its Pauline accent or Pauline vibrancy. And sadly, Rome's response to this Augustinian revival um, was to saw off that leg. And, um, and so this is this, um, I think sheepishly and slowly, which is how I would do it too if I were Rome, over the last 500 years, Rome has begun to like, like um, build Frankenstein style, um, refashion a new Augustinian leg and put it back on. I'm kind of hoping that no one's looking at it while it's doing that. And, and as I mentioned, that was, it was a lot of what was happening in Vatican I. Um, a lot of Benedict's, Pope Benedict's writings, Cardinal Ratzinger, um, we've been doing kind of a study at church. Um, our, our rector has been brilliantly walking us through um, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger's writings. Um, I see now that a lot of what he was doing is an Augustinian revival as well. Um, but this is, this is the glowing coal. That, that, that Christ saves sinners. How about that? Three words? You want Luther in three words? Christ saves sinners. Um, so I got a couple of quotes for you. A couple of quotes for you. Can I give you a couple of quotes and we can talk about those and then end it? Yeah, prayer? sounds great. All right. The failure to see the gravity of our sin and the depth of our corruption and the bondage of our will, if unchecked, will become an assault on the freedom and sovereignty of God's grace and salvation. What do you think of that? The failure to see the gravity of our sin is an assault on God's grace and salvation. How about this? I condemn and reject as nothing but error all doctrines which exalt our free will as being directly opposed to the mediation and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, he says as well, it is true that the doctrine of the gospel takes all glory, wisdom, and righteousness from men and ascribes them to the creator alone, who makes everything out of nothing. Um, how, in that way, salvation, um, by Luther's account, is an echo of a finishing of creation. We, as mm. cre in creation, God sure. makes goodness, beauty out of nothing. Um, and when God picks up um, a, a blind, miserable sinner um, and makes a new creation out of him, um, it, is not, it is not out of the sinner's goodness or efforts, um, but rather out of nothing. So I have always, my heart is always um, throbbed um, when I've read uh, Luther, when he writes along in this vein. And, um, and so I think that's the that's kind of the, the, I wrote, when I took my notes, Christopher, I called this um, after Worms, <laughs> the, 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 the diet of Worms, um, the heart mm. of the matter, the heart of the matter, when Luther kind of realizes what the Reformation was actually about, that God saves sinners. 
So do you, do you have any, any thoughts or responses to that? I don't. That's a good um, way of putting it. He, yeah. he, uh, you, you brought up, um, we don't do nuance well in, in our career, like our, our, our kind of Twitter addled uh, way that we do theological argument and debate um, right now. Um, when, when, when Luther came back from uh, Vortberg, so yeah, at Worms, he's kidnapped by, by, a, by a duke <laughs> the Duke of Saxony to kind of save him from papal assassins. Like this sounds like something Hollywood made up, but it's actually true. He grows a beard and he has an alter ego. He calls himself Junker Jorg, <laughs> like Knight George. And, um, and he's hidden in the castle and he has a lot of time to think and do some interesting things and write a Ger New Testament in German. Um, but in the meantime, Christopher, what happens is what we would, what we come to call a radical reformation, a, um, basically a, um, a, vandal a vandalizing of the church something Luther doesn't even recognize, ripples through Europe. Um, and he comes back, uh, he, he, he realizes he's got, he has to come back. There's this colleague of his by the name of Andreas Karlstadt, who, um, who begins a, a process of iconoclasm that is destroying stained glass windows, statues of the Blessed Virgin and other saints, um, which all which horrify Martin Luther. Uh, he says, he writes, Satan has entered my sheepfold. Mm. Um, uh, in, in fact, Andreas Karlstadt, um, he celebrates what he calls a reformed mass on Christmas day in 1521, where he doesn't elevate, elevate the elements at communion. He wore secular clothes during the service. Mm. He purged all references um, to sacrifice from the tradition, from the words of the mass. Um, he shouted the words um, in German instead of Latin. Uh, he let he did a bunch of things that, that were shocking, intentionally shocking. And Luther he despairs when he hears of this, and so he comes back. He comes back, um, and he he delivers a series of sermons called the Invocavit Sermons. Um, he gets back on a Friday, and the first Sunday of Lent. He comes back. He shows up in the pulpit. This is, again, so dramatic out of a movie without disguise. He shaves, put on his monk's garb again. People see him as they had before. And he preaches eight sermons, Sunday to Sunday, through Lent and into, into Easter. And he preaches on the Reformation. And he says this, you all understand the doctrine of justification by faith really well, but you don't understand the obligations of love. What does love mean? Um, when, um, when, when with your Christian brothers, you should not relish uh, in throwing your Christian freedom in others' face. You should not relish whiplash. You should not relish um, destroying those things that your fellow Christians beloved. Statues of the Blessed Virgin, um, uh, uh, vestments, uh, stained glass. Um, uh, rather, um, you should, we should teach and we should teach in love. Um, Karl Stott had demanded that people stand for communion, receive it in their hands. He said, why? Why? Kneeling is just fine and not contrary to the word of God. Images? Well, sure, don't worship, but images are great teaching devices. <laughs> Caution, love, moderation in all things. The gospel is the point. <laughs> not inventing a new church with new practices. And that is a Luther, I think, that our Roman Catholic brothers could recognize and, 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 and learn to appreciate. What do you think of that? Love it. Um, do you have any, any, any final thoughts as we mark, as we mark his uh, feast day, mark his death? 
I don't think so, Kirk. I got to go pick up my son from basketball. So shall we end in prayer? Let's. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, look mercifully upon your people, that by your great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you revealed the way of eternal life to every race and nation. Pour out this gift anew, that by the preaching of the gospel, your salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week.